0: Opinions expressed in the following program may not reflect those of Salem Media of Colorado or its sponsors. This is Life in Colorado, a radio news magazine about the issues, events, and the unique life we live in the Centennial State. Life in Colorado.
1: Hello and welcome to Life in Colorado. This week, more news you can use. We're going to be talking about retirement. And, and not in theory, but retirement realistically. Uh, I've been digging into a, a little bit of facts and figures, and I'm hoping that the facts that I have and the figures that I have are wrong. Because according to my research, it's going to cost about $46,000 annually for a single retired person to live not not balling not not trips abroad not not going to the casbah but just living your life on a normal basis so we brought somebody in here to talk to us about it his name is bob schultz he's the retirement guy but in actuality he's a little bit more than that he's actually a senior professional as far as human resources he himself retired back in 2008 so it's not like you're talking to someone hypothetically you're talking to someone who knows the facts knows the reality and we're gonna bring him on here to, to chat with us uh, Thanks for coming on Bob. Thank you, Maria. It's good to be here. Let's start from the the beginning the The figures that i I reached I looked under social security benefits. I looked under Colorado and and Colorado is actually one of the the senior retirement friendly states you know of course far behind Florida but we're in there as far as tax concessions and things of that nature as being friendly to retirees. but is it true? <laughs> that the average retired person who may, and, and this isn't about pensions or anything like that, may only receive about 1500 from Social Security if they're lucky. They're expected to maintain a $46,000 annual income?
2: Okay, there's a couple questions in that. There's but a few. Yeah, yeah, there's a few Um the facts from the Social Security Administration are that the average Social Security benefit today is around $1,400, so very close to your number. Um, it would be uh, less for women because they take time out of the workplace, and so uh, they have a less of a benefit, which is a huge, huge issue. Um, and, of course, you know, if our audience is in Colorado, and if you're talking about Douglas County, the sixth wealthiest county in the country. And so the average income is uh, $75,000 a year. The, the The thing that people – one of the points I wanted to make uh, today was that uh, people think about what's the number? How much money do I have to have to retire? And I, I had an article uh, this week that was somebody was talking, but from the East Coast, Wall Street Journal type, oh, well. You need a million dollars. You need two million dollars. Well, that's crazy talk for most people out there because they say, oh, my gosh, I I don't have that kind of money. That's not the question. The question you started to get at is how much money do you need each month to maintain a standard of living that you would like to have in retirement, whether that's going to be the same as what you're spending now. And then the question is what are you spending now? Do you know that? Or is it going to be more because you want to travel the world and do all these things you never did? Or are you going to cut back? And because you're a frugal person, are you going to need 70 to 80% of your income in retirement? But the question is, what is it going to take? Where's that money going to come from? And the sad part of this is, for a large part of the population, it's coming from Social Security. That's what they're living on. That's what they're living on. And, And Do the math, $1,400 or $1,100 a month for women doesn't add up to $46,000. So where is the rest of the money coming from? And so, uh, as you and I were talking before we went on the air, people are finding out they're going to have to work. Uh, They're going to have to work longer in their careers. They're not going to be able to retire (laughs) in the dot-com era of age 50, 55, when everybody was a day trainer, um, or 60, or 65, um, when Medicare kicks in or 62, when Social Security can start, big mistake. Um, or Susie Orman uh, stirred things up, which she likes to do the other day, by saying 70 is a new retirement age. People are going to have to work to seven. And for a, I, I honestly believe for a large part of the baby boomer, which I'm actually too old. I was born in 43. Baby boomers start in 46 a large contingent of that, are going to have to work into their 70s because they're not prepared for retirement.
1: Now, that's the part that disgusts me, because in my eyes, in my mind, the boomers are the ones who actually, for real, for real, made this country great. They worked. They sacrificed. They, they moved to various parts of the country. They provided innovation. And now, of course, they're providing us with leadership and mentorship and to say that these individuals aren't going to be taken care of seems wrong well you left out one word
2: they came they saw and they spent they spent they bought if you want to drive around denver there's no old cars in denver everybody's driving 30 40 50 70,000 dollar cars making huge lease payments on them uh, living in houses that have no curtains in them because they can't afford the curtains I mean, this is what's going on in America. I read today, even with mortgage rates going up, the Wall Street Journal had an article. People are, what, refi, refi, pulling money out of their homes. People used to retire with their mortgages paid off. No more. They're going into retirement with a mortgage. Huge mistake. This is the problem. They have not saved. They've spent. And now, you know, what's interesting is I have a favorite saying I use with my children. You can choose your actions or you can choose your consequences, but you can't choose both. Most of life, the consequences come pretty quick after our actions, right? If you make a mistake in most things, um, you know, you go out and you drive while you're drinking and you get, you know, da, da 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 Retirement doesn't work that way. There's no consequences right away. You can spend for 20, 30, 40 years and all of a time the big R word comes in your 60s and all of a sudden then it hits you. Oh my gosh, they're talking about I'm going to need, as you just talked about, X amount a month to maintain my standard of living. Here's another figure for you, if you saw this one. The average 65 year old couple today will spend, need, will need $275,000 for out of pocket health care costs. That's not, that's not vacation, that's not savings. That's not whatever. Fidelity, uh, the EMBRI, the Employee Benefits Research Institute puts out those numbers every year. They've stayed the same, right around $250,000, $275,000. Because what? Medicare only covers 50 to 60% of your health care costs. The average woman has $5,000 a year in health care costs. If she's married for her husband who dies sooner, let's just say he has five. That's 10000 a year over 20 years. You're at $240,000. People have no idea of the costs that are coming with retirement outside of having fun and maintaining paying a mortgage. Hmm.
1: Okay, and on that extremely happy note, (laughs) 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 let's go ahead and take a a quick commercial break, and then we're going to go ahead and speak to Bob about some possible solutions and some possible plans. We'll be right back. To buy your home, you became a house-hunting ace. Learned about loans, scoured neighborhoods, and asked the right questions. If you manage that, you can get your retirement plan on track. Visiting aceyourretirement.org can help. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And thank you so much for joining us. We're sitting down and talking with Bob Schultz, the retirement guy, about realistic retirement planning. So, what can we do? Well...
2: There's no simple solution to this. I mean, to be honest with you, the solution is wherever your listeners are today um, is you need to find out the facts. And, you know, you were talking about facts earlier. Where do you stand for retirement today if you do the hard work, figuring out what you have, what you don't have, what your expenses are, what your income's in, what's going to have to change? I would say my big thing is I have a program, one of my modules that I teach is about finances, but I call it um, financial literacy, the path to financial freedom. And so if I ask your listeners, what do you want? What does financial freedom mean to you? And in my classes, I allow the tables to kind of sit around and hash that question out. Because it's different things to other people. Some people would say, well, I want to be able to buy whatever I want. That's financial freedom. Somebody else will say, I don't have any debt. I want to be debt-free, you know, whatever. That's what I mean. I don't have to worry about money would be financial freedom. I want to have options. I want to have choices with my money. So whatever the answer is, and then the question is, once you've answered that, is um, what are you willing to do to get there? Because the good news is uh, we live in a a free country. You know, you, you talked about earlier making this country great, right? Okay. So everybody gets a chance to do this, but it, it, there's a lot of pain involved, particularly depending on how underwater you are with some things. And so my question in doing through your budget would be, and, and I'm not a debt counselor, okay, that's not what I do. But um, anybody would say, you know, what, what is your monthly cell phone bill? Uh, did you just buy a new iPhone uh, for $1,000? A lot of people, a lot of people do. Um, although they're not selling so many because they've got the price up so high. What's your cable bill? Not on a monthly basis. If that means no more Starbucks, if that means cutting the cable, if people don't realize how much of a difference they can make, but it takes very hard decisions, and you have to want to do it. That is, the, that is the background in this country. If, if I was a younger man, I'm 75, if I was a younger man, I would go out and start beating the drums about teaching financial literacy in this country because we don't teach it. Respondents of both sexes said they wished they had spent less money on vacations. Men said they wished they had spent less on cars, women on clothes. That's people that are nearing retirement that have regrets. The, the people we're talking about, they're not going to be ready
1: So it it sounds like step one is being realistic about what your budget actually is, not month-to-month, but annually what your budget is, what you're spending. And and month-to-month, though, because that equates to to
2: a year. And finding out, where where am I today? Mm -hmm. And there's a wonderful publication uh, that everybody that's listening paid for because it's a government publication um, um, put out by the Department of Labor. And Taking the Mystery Out of Retirement Planning is the name of the booklet. And you can call the Department of Labor, 800 number, and order the booklet. And if you it, – it's financially driven. And if you work through it, it's a paper process, and sit down with that and go through it, not in a weekend, over a number of time, and pull all the numbers together, you'll know
1: where you stand today financially, and you can start making decisions. Well, say, for example – tell you how much I make, but that's embarrassing. All right, let's try another figure. Uh, say, for example, I make about eh, – a year currently, not $3,000 a month currently. Okay. Um, My expenditures, I mean, honestly, are about $2,900. In those types of situations where it's not even just paycheck to paycheck, it's like a struggle and a grind. What kind of hope is there for individuals such as myself? And I'm asking this question, and I'm hoping you have a really good answer, but I think I know what it is.
2: Well, it goes back to it goes back to looking at those expenses and um, you know student loans is a big issue today and I'm not saying that's for you, but a lot of people have student loans. Um, but people are able to one of the recommendations c- consolidation, right? Um, are there ways that you can apply, f- uh, for forgiveness of loans. I know there's very low acceptance of those letters that come in or whatever, but you definitely want to take a look at all the options regarding that kind of stuff. And then start looking at some things that, I, I mean, I don't know what, but most of us have these luxuries. I talk about Starbucks or coffee or what we're buying or what we're eating. Um, you know, how frugal can you be? And if, and if you haven't been raised that way, that's a huge lifestyle change for people. I mean, it just it's hard to get there. And so people need to just really look in the mirror and say, okay, I'm going to do this for me because I don't like my life the way it is. And I need to do it better. And so I'm going to make some changes, and it's going to be hard, but I'm willing to do this. And do small steps. Don't try to make big jumps. Do a little bit. Save $5 a week. All right? Just start out. And even Dave Ramsey talks about the snowball effect where you start out small and it gets bigger and bigger. Pay off a small debt. Don't get a big debt. If if you've got a smaller debt out here, pay it off and have rid of it and celebrate it. Celebrate your successes so you start to feel good about yourself and what you're doing. And um, it's amazing what people have been able to do over a period of time. I mean, even five or ten years of doing this type of thing, it may be – I mean – you hear about families that went out and their mothers, they talk about their mother had two or three jobs, right? I mean, today it's not heard as much because you got dad and mom are already working, right? But um, that's another thing today. The good news is employment, people are looking for workers. So some of this may be okay. I'm going to have to go out and work weekends or I'm going to have to work evenings. And I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do with that money. I'm not going to spend it. I'm going to pay down my debts and then I'm going to start saving and- that's, but that's the kind of decisions, hard decisions, hard decisions.
1: Mm. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought the answer was. Um, this is also kind of a, a phenomenon that I've noticed lately, or maybe, maybe it's always been and I just wasn't paying attention. Um, of course, most of us have multiple jobs. That's just kind of the way it is. If you want things, you have to work for them. But I've been noticing that there's a segment of the population who should be retired who are working the same jobs that I am. What's going on with that?
2: Well, you're seeing uh, the chickens coming home to roost. Those are the people that you're seeing working the same jobs that don't have the income coming in to meet either their fixed expenses, much less the lifestyle that they had when they were working full time, and now they thought they've retired, but now they're having to work these extra jobs. And the old joke is you know, you see them in Walmart or whatever. And so uh, there's two interesting situations about that. Um, that's just proof of what's going on and what's happened with the baby boomer generation. The second part of that is that if they're working, well, the same job as you, but they're also plugged up the promotion line. they're still working in jobs where young people in the past people retired and young people moved up and got promoted to those jobs well the baby boomers are still working in those jobs and some of those um are jobs are jobs that the generation y generation x uh the millennials want and the baby boomers are still sitting out there clogging up the pipeline so this is another problem um in in the workforce today so um Interesting situation, but not surprising. I mean, I think this is going to – we're about halfway through this 10000 a day of these 78 million baby boomers retiring. And this is going to go on to about 2034. Interesting enough, the year that Social Security runs out of – well, has to start paying 21% less. So we've got some other things coming down the pike that don't make this any better if things aren't made. I mean, I'm saying if Social Security says this – I'm not making this up. They just announced it that if things don't change, if Congress doesn't change the system, this is what's going to happen in 2034.
1: All righty. Richard, you well, want to jump on
2: in here? Well,
0: it, it sounds like some of this is is a kind of discipline. Well, a discipline and also not maybe paying attention because I, I know there's monthly things, little expenses that, oh, you know, it's $15 a month for this and Twenty dollars a month for that, and each expenditure doesn't look like much because you think, well, what? What's fifteen dollars a month? But one time I sat down, uh, I forget what the circumstances were, but I started adding that up, and suddenly I realized that all those little twenty dollars and fifteen were up to over like two hundred something a month, and I thought, good heavens. What am I doing this for? I mean, I thought, which one of these things could I give up? And it was, it was, um, but until I got to that point, I never thought about it.
2: Exactly. No, that's exactly what happens. And a lot of people are in that situation and never do the 12 times math to look at their cable bill or their phone bill to see what that's costing them and what else, what the opportunity cost, they call it, with money. What else could you be doing with that money? Paying down debt. Whatever I mean, this is all tied to financial literacy. This isn't taught in school. For example, um, car leasing, okay, um, or, or, or buying a car. Today, if, if you haven't bought a car in a while, um, you can buy a car on an eight-year loan. So you're making car payments for eight years which means the interest on that car payment is huge. And you're underwater when that car gets older. It's not worth any money. You can't sell it. And and the loan is bigger still than what the car's worth. So people aren't taught this, that this isn't good because they go to the dealership, and obviously the dealership have had to stretch out the payments in order to afford the more expensive cars. And people just don't realize that I need to go out and buy a used car, Um because that saves money I mean I, I read an article This was years ago That said The people that buy a car And even if they buy it new And drive the tires off of it Till it dies Ten years or more Even back when American cars Didn't list as long as whatever Versus the person that needs a new shiny car And they're at garage every two or three years Will save over their lifetime four hundred to $500,000 in cars And so that's That's a. So when people look at me and say, Bob, I can't afford retirement, I'd say, okay, well, tell me about your car buying experience. There's other things very similar to that. People upscale housing, buying homes much larger than what they needed to live in, right? And so um, having those big mortgages, and we've got it out there on Highlands Ranch where I live um, all the time, and and you see it. And so um, discipline, you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah yeah discipline is the issue, and you know I grew up my parents were born and went through the depression and and not a recession, a depression right I saw people lose everything, and that's where I learned saving and whatever my parents all, my father was a colonel in the army we always afforded a much nicer car and a much better housing when they moved off post, but they never did now could they have lived a better lifestyle? Yes, and sometimes I feel sorry for my mom because there were certain things that she never had. She came from a farm in Iowa, but that was they couldn't spend money, and so you know that's the issue. And when you end up today with people in you know couples, whether they're married or not, and you have two spenders, that's a disaster. And then two savers is not much fun either. You know, to be honest with you, but they're the people that end up with the money. And it's interesting. In my classes, I tell them the people that have the money is because they didn't spend it. And when they go into retirement, you know what? can't spend it either. So they need to work on that because otherwise they could have a much richer retirement. Than the well, and way.
0: don't you think, Bob, that that, that generation, because I, I know that generation very well. It's um, where my parents and grandparents, and they, I remember hearing stories about the Depression. But I think there was a certain amount of wishful. Maybe they didn't teach us some of the things that we needed to know because, quote, I don't want my kids to go through that same kind of, you know, they, they maybe have those, maybe some awful thoughts and memories of that, maybe some not so pleasant times. So, it was almost like they thought they were protecting their children from the reality, but in in, in a sense, uh, the boomers were and others younger generations were taught things because maybe that there was an avoidance. I'm just guessing here. It's, no, no, I
2: think you're on something. I would just say it a little differently. I would say my father's generation, and they have a name for that generation, the silent generation, they didn't talk about money. You, you had to observe what went on. They didn't sit down with you and, and say, here's, here's how we do, here's how we save, whatever. I mean, they told stories about the Depression. But parents, they called the silent generation. They didn't talk about sex, money, politics. That was nothing now, the other side of this is the helicopter parent generation that we've seen of wanting to make sure that my child has everything because I was a latchkey kid, and I don't want I want a better life for my kid. They say every four, four generations, and I think the millennial generation is it, they flip. We're not going to wait to retirement and enjoy life. We're going to enjoy it now. I've got two kids, 134 and 132. And you'd think being the retirement guy, you give them a smart pill, right? But my daughter, my daughter went off to college. I gave her gave her college money. Two, three years in, it's gone. She comes back to mom and says, um, I need you guys to sign a, a loan payment and uh, for I can continue school. And we said, sorry. So she had to drop out of school, but best lesson she ever had, right? And uh, she had to go out and get a job and finish school. So, um... I I think there's a number of things been going on, but I think you're right. Um, Most of that observation, seeing my parents, how they lived and whatever, is the way I caught up with that. And then parents um, feeling, wanting to help their kids and do things for their kids. And and a lot of people are still spending their retirement money on their kids, and it's a huge issue. Uh,
1: Thank you so much, uh, Bob, for coming in and talking with us. Now, I know you have a blog. I know you do workshops. How can our listeners catch up with you?
2: Okay, the best place would be to go out to my blog at the Retirement Guy. That's one word, retirementguy.org. And if you go there, you'll see um, my website. And uh, the website has all kinds of resources on it. Play around out there. One of the um, clicks on is it's called blogs. And my last 10 blogs are there. And you can sign up for my blog, which comes out every Friday morning and has five or six retirement articles not written by me but written by people from all over the country, financial writers or uh, women writing about women in retirement or one going out this week, what if I want to live in Spain? I mean, all kinds of stuff like that. And so um, you can sign up for that on my uh, website and um, hope you do. And I think you'll love it. There's a lot of resources, but that's a great place to start.
1: All righty. Thank you so much, uh, Bob Schultz, for coming in to talk with us about retirement, realistic retirement. We appreciate your time, sir. Thank you. Richard Robertson is the show producer. I'm Maria Oliver, and this is Life in Colorado. If you have
0: questions or comments about today's program, please call 303-750-5687. Life in Colorado is a public affairs presentation of
2: Salem Media of Colorado.